The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Today's word, how are you following Jesus? And we're going to look at four examples of people who followed God or not followed God. And the big idea is this, following Jesus, following Jesus, your Savior, is not easy, nor convenient, nor without risk. Following Jesus may cost you your power. It may cost you your wealth, your reputation. Because it's not easy. And God doesn't always ask us to do easy things. Forgiveness is hard, especially when somebody hurts us. But how do we follow God? How do we know what to do to follow God? When I joined the Army a few years ago, I got a rude awakening. Because I was in the Army Reserves, things worked a little bit differently. I attended my first battle assembly, drill weekend, before I went to my chaplain officer's basic course, which we say is Chobik. I was the only one in civilian clothes because I didn't have an army uniform yet. I was an officer. I had to buy my own. And I didn't know what to buy, if even if I did find the store. So that first army weekend, I'm in civilian clothes. I have to go to my first battalion staff meeting. And there's the battalion commander. The battalion command sergeant major. There was somebody there who was called an S1. I didn't know what that meant. There was an S23. There was an S4. There was a training NCO. I had no idea what those people did. And we had this meeting, and we talked about the 469th, the 369th, the 129th. I think I got some of those numbers wrong. We talked about HETs and M998s and M2s and Bravo 249s, M16s, M9s. I didn't know what any of these things were. M16s I'd heard of. I didn't know any of the others. And there were so many other words and acronyms. I, I had no It was like I was in a foreign language. I didn't know what they were saying. So what did I do? I got out my notepaper and I took notes. And I wrote down every number, every word, every acronym that I heard that I didn't know what it was. And when the meeting was over, I, I kind of bumped the person next to me, which I didn't know who they were yet. And I said, can you help me out? And I went down the list. What do all these things mean? And some of those numbers were unit numbers. The 129th Transportation Company. Some of them were pieces of equipment. An M998, that's a Humvee. I didn't know that. You know, different types of weapons. And sometimes a number was actually a number. They were the number of people, a number of things. And so it was, it was a rude awakening. I didn't grow up an army brat. Nobody in my family was in the military. I was not prior service before I became a chaplain, so I didn't have any clue what was going on. So everything about the Army was new to me, including how to wear a uniform, how to get dressed, how to talk to people. Yet after a couple years, after some training, some mentorship, 
I can say I'm an army officer and, and, and mean it. That first day I was an army officer, but I didn't know what that meant. It was on paper only. And so I changed from being a civilian to an army officer, now a staff officer. In the same way, God takes us from where we are today and makes us his child. But he does it better than the army does. So like I said, our big idea today is that following Jesus is not easy, it's not convenient, and it's not without risk. Following Jesus may cost you your power, your wealth, your reputation. Today's uh, scripture is from Matthew, chapter, starting in chapter 1. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, and I'm going to continue on through chapter 2 down to verse 12. So starting in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. It says this, When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, that's Mary, and did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and named him Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the, where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because there, this is what is written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd his people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling on their knees, they worshipped him. They op then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream, they did, did not go back to Herod, and they returned to their own country by another route. There are four characters in this scripture today. Herod the Great the scribes and the priests, which I'll just call the scribes, Joseph and the Magi. And so we're going to look at those. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this scripture. We thank you for this word. Help us as we go through this today, that your name will be exemplified, that your name will be glorified, because you are the mighty God, Lord. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we go through this, I'm going to do it a little bit differently. I'm not going to follow the rules of my preaching professor. So I pray that, that this method I'm using is out of holiness and not out of madness. So pray for me. But we're going to look at Herod first. And the first thing to know about Herod is that's his last name. That's his surname. That's a family name. 
We don't know his first name. He was just called Herod the Great. He probably became king when he was 25 years old, appointed by Mark Anthony. But he was reappointed by Caesar Augustus. And you say, well, there's a bunch of Herods in the New Testament. You're right, there are. And they're all in the same family. So later in the New Testament, we hear, we read about Herod Antip Antip Antipas. Let me get it right. Antipas. He's the one that beheaded John the Baptist. He was also at the trial of Jesus when Pilate sent Jesus to Herod, Herod Antipas. And Herod and Antipas got to question Jesus also. And we find that in Luke 23. In the book of Acts, you see here of Herod Agrippa I. In, in, James, in Acts chapter 12, he executes James, the brother of John. And so Herod Antipas, Herod Agrippa I, those are sons of Herod. Later in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 25 and 26, we see Agrippa II. That's a grandson of Herod the Great. And so Herod makes his way through the New Testament. And ain't none of these guys are good. But Herod built the temple. So in, in, in Luke chapter 1, and we read about Zechariah being in the temple, it was a temple that Herod had built. He had rebuilt the temple that Ezra and Nehemiah had built in the Old Testament. And we read about it in the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament, different Zechariah. It's the same temple that Jesus preached at as you read through the Gospels. It's the same temple that the disciples marveled at in Matthew chapter 24. It's the same temple that Jesus whipped people in. In fact, the remains of that temple and the building still exist. The Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. It was not, it's not a wall of the temple itself, but it's part of the temple complex that Herod had built. The Wailing Wall still exists in Jerusalem today. If you go to the restaurant, the New Jerusalem Cafe up here near Liberty, on the one wall they have a huge picture covering the whole wall, and it's a picture of the temple complex. The temple itself is gone. The Romans destroyed it in 70 AD, and now there is a mosque where the temple once stood, the Mosque of the Golden Dome. But that place where the mosque is at, that whole area, was built up by King Herod the Great. Herod built the temple to promote the worship of Yahweh. Yet Herod, who promoted the Jewish faith, was only using it as a tool for his own power. He executed his so-called favorite wife. He executed others of his sons. He exiled others of them. It was so bad that Caesar Augustus, Yes, that Caesar Augustus once quoted, was quoted as saying about Herod. He said, I would rather be Herod's hog than Herod's son. That's how bad Herod the Great was. And in verse 3, when it says that Herod was deeply disturbed, or however it's translated in your translation, I'm reading from the CSB, that was not an understatement. Herod killed his own sons when they thought they were turning against him. He killed his own wife when they thought he was turning against him. When these magi showed up and said, where is he born king of the Jews? The implication was that Herod was, an, was not the right king. 
And he didn't like that. And when Herod was deeply disturbed, people around him knew that people were going to die. Literally, heads would roll. And so when Herod is upset, everybody's upset because they knew somebody was going to die. Herod's paranoia was real and his wrath was used often. Herod used his religion to remain in power. He called the chief priests and the scribes in verse 4 to find the answer about the Messiah, the Christ. Messiah is a Hebrew word. Christ is a Greek word. If we translate it to English, it would be anointed one, the anointed or the anointed one. And so he had to call the scribes in because Herod didn't know the answer. He called the scribes in to find out where the Messiah was to be born. And they knew, they, in the scripture, it just says that in verse 5, that it was in the prophet, the prophet said, it was the prophet Micah. And we now know it's Micah 5, 2. Identified Bethlehem as the birthplace for the Messiah. They got their prophecy right. That one. That's the only one they got right. And then Herod lies to the Magi in verse 8. And it says, you know, go, go search for him. I want to worship him too. No, that's not what was his goal. His goal was to execute him. And we find that later in, in, in Matthew chapter 2. When, when Herod sent troops to kill all the infant boys two and, age two and younger. Herod was a deceiver, he was a liver, he was a conniver. Herod the Great used religion for his own personal power and wealth. He didn't give up any of his power and wealth. And despite the great acts of building and expanding the temple, Herod's faith was non-existent. Herod did not know scripture for himself. He needed the help of others. Herod only loved himself. Herod hated God and all that God stood for. Herod had no faith. And in the end, Herod died. He died within a year of all these events happening. History records that Herod died in 4 B.C. And we know Jesus was born around 5 or 6 B.C. Yes, our calendars are wrong. Second, let's look at the scribes. The scribes are mentioned here in verses 3 through 6. Herod called them because they were the Bible scholars. The scribes knew Scripture. Scripture was their job. The reason they were called scribes is because they hand-copied Scripture. There was no printing press. They hand, to get a new copy of the Bible, somebody had to write it out by hand. And this, that was a scribe, one of the scribes' jobs. Scribes are mentioned in the book of Ezra. But they were cried, scribes, some priests were also scribes. But by this time in the New Testament, you didn't have to be a priest to be a scribe. To be a priest, you had to be of the tribe of Levi, a descendant of Aaron. But to be a scribe, you could be of any of the tribes of Israel. Scribe. Being a scribe was an occupation. It was a career. It was a profession. It came with the title rabbi. They taught people in the synagogues. Many of the scribes were Pharisees. Pharisees were scribes. Not every scribe was a Pharisee, but the Pharisees were scribes. It was, a, a, it was like a denomination, a sect of Judaism. These men knew scripture. They knew the prophecies of the Messiah, as we see here. The Holy Scriptures was their life. Many of these men memorized the Bible, what we now call the Old Testament. They memorized the whole thing. 
Yet, they knew the right answer was Bethlehem. And they told the Magi where it was. But it's not recorded that any scribe went with the Magi. They didn't follow. Bethlehem was only five miles from Jerusalem. You can walk that in about 90 minutes. And no record of any scribe going to Bethlehem. In, in spite of the testimony of the Magi and what they had seen. Later, Jesus called these scribes vipers. He whipped them in the temple. He pointed out their hard hearts. In every attempt, these scribes tried to stop Jesus, and every attempt of their, of their trying to stop Jesus failed. Even executing him failed because Jesus came back from the dead. The scribes knew intellectually about God, but God was not in their heart. The scribes could interpret the law, but, the, but, that did not, but they did not live by the faith required by God. Following God is not easy. You have to give up stuff sometimes. Joseph is read here. Scripture calls him righteous. God spoke to him in four times, in four different dreams. Each time, Joseph showed his faith by obeying God immediately and completely. Joseph had to take risks to obey God. Mary, Mary was a risk. Mary getting pregnant out of wedlock was a stonable offense. And if they suspected Joseph was the father, he could be stoned too. It was a risk. And even without the stoning, he would, everybody would have been talking about him, and it wouldn't have been good. They've been talking behind their back, rumors, probably insults to their face at times. Few people would want, any, want anything to do with them. Even, probably even people in their own families. Who would believe that pregnant Mary was a virgin? We accept it today because we've read it, and we've, some of us have read it our whole lives. But if a young lady came up to you and said, I'm pregnant, but I'm a virgin, you know, we might say, well, you, had in, you, know, you, you went to a doctor. We have, we have, med we have uh, you know, treatments for that. We have surgeries. There's things that we can do. But in that day and age, they, they wouldn't believe her. And then Joseph, you know, and, they, and then they went to Bethlehem. When Joseph got to Bethlehem, he had no job. He had no resources to take care of Mary and a baby. But they remained there. The scripture says that they were in a house. And that and it doesn't use the word for infant. It says child, which means toddler. And, and when the Magi came in verses 1 and 2, they saw the star and then they traveled. And Herod wanted to know when they saw the star, so he wanted to know how old this child was. And when later in chapter 2, when it says Herod went to kill the infants, he said, kill all the boys two years and younger, based on what the Magi had said. So by the time the Magi got to Jesus, Jesus wasn't an infant anymore. He, he was a year or two old. So that means Joseph and Mary stayed in Jerusalem after his birth. They didn't go back to Nazareth. I mean, who could blame them? There's a bunch of naysayers in Bethlehem. 
They made a new life in Bethlehem for themselves. Joseph probably had to pay the debts for whatever housing and food they had when they first got there. Yet when God came to Joseph in a dream, Joseph obeyed immediately. The dream said, get up, go to Egypt, leave now. And they left in the middle of the night. Joseph woke up from his dream, he packed up his family, and they left. Joseph obeyed immediately. Traveling to Egypt, out on the road, just the three of them, that's dangerous. Criminals, who knows who else was out there? Wild animals? And just the hazards of of walking in the wilderness. There there, there wasn't a rest stop at every exit, because there were no exits. But each of the four times Joseph has a dream from God that says that he obeyed, and it doesn't use the word immediately, but he acted immediately and did what it was the dream asked him to do, without question. It was no accident or coincidence that God chose Joseph to be the husband of Mary. Joseph was a man of faith before he was engaged to Mary. He remained a man of faith through all the trials that he and Mary faced because God chose them to be the parents of the Son of God, be the earthly parents. Joseph was probably taught his faith by his parents and probably his grandparents, and he kept it into adulthood. He chose to remain faithful his entire life, even when it was risky, a loss of reputation, Then we have the Magi. We don't know how many Magi there were. I know we always have three in our nativity scene because we have three gifts. And through tradition, we have some names. But it was really, it was unnumbered men. They came probably from Persia. It says they came from the east. They saw the star from the east. or They were in the east when they saw the star. So they either came from Persia or Babylon. And for a description of who the Magi are, go to the book of Daniel. In Daniel's chapter 2 and chapter 5, we we get a list of who these Magi were. And they're described as magicians, mediums, diviners, wise men, sorcerers. They knew religion. They knew the stars. They used the stars like astrologers use them today but they also knew the science of astronomy. These men were foreigners. They practiced foreign religions. Because the Jews were in exile, they probably knew Jewish people, so they knew of Judaism. But they would not have followed it, not normally. Yet these men saw something in the sky that changed their minds and changed their hearts. We don't know exactly what they saw. It's called a star, but we don't know exactly what they saw. It was not the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, which you can see in the sky right now. When the sun sets, it'll be about right over there tonight. You can see Jupiter and Saturn. And even in the city, you can see it. You see Jupiter, and there's a tiny faint piece of light just next to it. But that's not what they saw. It was something that moved abnormally because they saw it again after they left Jerusalem and it moved over the place where Jesus was sleeping, was staying. So it wasn't something normal. 
We don't have the writings of these men, so we don't have the description of what they saw because they went home. And, and the writer of Matthew didn't have you know, their scientific description of what they saw. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it was a comet, if it was some conjunction of planets or stars, if it was a supernova or a, a miraculous angel that floated in the sky just for, the, that, for them to see. It doesn't matter. What matters is what they, they saw something unusual and it moved them to follow God. And how did they follow? Well, they risked a lot. We know from the book of Ezra that it took about four months to get from Babylon to Jerusalem. And Ezra traveled with families. These men didn't have families. So if they were in Babylon, it probably wouldn't have taken, it would took them less than four months, maybe three months. If they were from farther east in Persia, it would have been even longer. A three-month to six-month business trip, a trip to go see this Jesus, that's no small matter. Traveling could be deadly. There are criminals out there. There are other enemies out there, enemy states. That part of Persia wasn't conquered by the Romans. It wasn't part of the Roman Empire, so they could be seen as enemies of Rome. They obviously became enemies of King Herod. And then just walking out in the nature, out there, the cold or the heat, depending on the time of year it was, is dangerous. The monetary cost of such an expedition would have been huge. The money, the time, the effort they put out to go find this Jesus, this infant that they didn't even know the name of, to find he who has been born king of the Jews. But it says in verse 2, they came to worship him. They didn't come out of curiosity, the reason why we go to a zoo. Let's go look at the monkeys or the penguins. No, it wasn't out of curiosity. They went to worship this infant, this child. They risked everything to go worship Jesus. These foreigners who were not Jews worshiped a Jewish Messiah. Jesus, who came for the whole world. These foreigners who did not have the Holy Scriptures found Bethlehem from the Holy Scriptures and worshiped Jesus there. These men who grew up without knowledge of Yahweh risked everything to worship Jesus. These men who had no faith traveled in faith to worship the one born of God. So we have these four men. Herod the Great, half Jew, half foreigner, who used religion to gain wealth and power, but had no faith in God. Don't be that guy. We had the Magi, who were 100% foreigners, who gave up their wealth, who gave up their security to worship the Son of God by traveling in faith. You had the scribes who were born Jewish. They were 100% Jewish. They knew the scriptures inside and out. And they used that knowledge for prestige and power, but did not follow the scriptures in faith. And then you had Joseph, who was also born Jewish. He did not know the scriptures as well as the scribes. 
he did not gain prestige. In fact, he lost prestige by following the commands of the angel. But he followed God by faith regardless of the consequences. Who is this Jesus? In Luke chapter 2, after Mary and Elizabeth meet, and John jumps in the womb of Elizabeth, Mary offers a testimony of praise. And she says this, my, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he looked with favor on the, on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. That's the praise of Mary. He toppled the mighty from their thrones. As I said, King Herod died within a year of these events. Exalted the lowly, Mary and Joseph. I don't know if the Magi went away poor or if they gave out of their riches. But they definitely gave from their wealth. And they were not as rich as they were because they gave great presents. So whether you're a foreigner, an unbeliever who has never worshipped Jesus before, whether you are one who has grown up in the faith, whether you're one who is intellectually knowledgeable of Scripture but without a heart of God, whether you are one who uses religion for personal gain, no matter how you got here today, God changes hearts and minds. God calls you to repentance. God has been there all along, whether you knew it or not. Turn to God. Return to God. Keep turning to God. Don't quit turning to God. Jesus came and lived among us. He died for us and rose again for us. Turn to Jesus Christ today. Lord God, we come to you now as we offer this closing prayer. Give us the humbleness to accept the message you who have given us, Lord, the message of salvation. That you came as an infant to a poor family. And you were honored by some, ridiculed by others, and others tried to kill you. But you came in humbleness to be glorified later. And Lord, we come to you in humbleness, Lord. We get no glory here on this earth. Someday we'll have glory in heaven. But help us to turn to you. Help us to keep turning to you. Lord, because some days it's hard to turn to you when, when life is hard. When things aren't going our way. When things are taken away from us.
when things aren't like they used to be. It may never be again. Help us to keep turning to you in all that we do. We pray all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.